It's Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Lost Tribes of Israel. Today I'm going to be continuing the discussion I've been having on this. And I apologize if the last episode was a little hard to follow. There's a lot of uh, a lot of content that I'm trying to squeeze down to short episodes. And it's rather difficult to uh, to do that. So I might reiterate a little bit where we were going and then continue on with the discussion today. So, yes, I guess it wasn't yesterday. But anyway, in the last episode, uh, I, I briefly was trying to bring out the fact that that the answer of Jesus coming... And that it, when he came, it was coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and identifying who the lost sheep of the house of Israel are. And now we're going to deal with uh, the next segment. So the next uh, thing I'm going to discuss now is in the first episode, we discussed Ephraim. The second episode, we have we've now talked about the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So now I want to tie this together and discuss uh, the bride of Christ. Now, we know the bride of Christ is something that happened uh, as a result of Jesus coming here. And today, the church, we call it the bride. I think there's no question that we um, understand the concept of the bride of Christ. However, there's another aspect to it that I would say most believers would not understand. And that is that the bride is actually referenced in the Old Testament as well. Now, I know that this subject had made controversy some years ago, and I'm really not trying to, to do that with this. I want you to see that uh, the idea of the bride of, if you can say the bride of God or the bride of, we would say the bride of Christ, is something that carried over from the Old Testament. And there's different references, but I'll try to single them down to where you can see more what I'm referring to. In Jeremiah 3.8, uh, we're going to begin. It says this, And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery. There's the word. Backsliding Israel committed adultery. Now, one does not commit adultery unless you are married to someone. Okay, If you're not married, it's fornication. But married, it's adultery. So who who is Israel married to? Can I say it that way? And then it says this, Okay, backsliding Israel committed adultery. I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. So here it is. God said that I put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And when it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land, committed adultery with stones, and with stocks, and yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah had not turned unto me with her whole heart, but uh, vainly uh, said the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than the treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north, say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, said the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and have not obeyed my voice. In verse 14, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you. There's that keyword. And I will take you one of a city and two of a family and bring you to Zion. 
And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass when you multiply and increase in the land in those days, said the Lord, that they shall no more say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it be come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. And at that time shall they call Jerusalem the throne of God, and all nations shall be gathered unto it. To the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk no more after the imagination of evil heart. In those days, and the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, coming together. Notice that. And they shall come together out of the land of the north, the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers. But I said, how shall I put thee among the children and give thee a pleasant tree, a goodly heritage of the hosts of nations? And said I, thou shalt call me my father, and I shall not turn away from me. Notice the the new covenant connotations here. Those days, okay, towards the end, it says that the two will walk together and they shall call me father. Notice that? Now the next verse, surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping in supplication of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way and have forgotten the Lord their God. Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal, heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is salvation of Israel. For shame hath devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. We lie down in our shame, and our confusion covereth us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God. We and our fathers from our youth even to this day have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now, to me, this is a very uh, important thing to understand because God has said here that I am married to you and I give you a bill of divorcement. Now, this is a serious accusation. We may not think of it as much today uh, because we would say, well, that meant God is done with Israel. And, uh, you know, we could we could say that. But but then later in the promises, like like I had uh, said yesterday, that this was um, something that he then prophesied that he will go and he will buy back. Now, you have to understand, under the Mosaic law, this was forbidden. You could not, after you put her away, get her back. And I'm going to show you in Deuteronomy. And so if we look at Deuteronomy 24, this is where God had commanded uh, the, the laws regarding divorce. And the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is I want you to see what God had to go through to buy back his bride and how it relates to the bride of Christ. When a man, uh, verse, verse 1 of uh, Deuteronomy 24, when a man hath taken a wife, married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found someone cleanless in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if a latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife. And in verse 3 it says, And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband 
Die, which he took to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for it is an abomination before the Lord. And uh, the reason I, I bring that up, because that is the reality of, of what was happening. When God gave a bill of divorcement, his own law stated that he could not take up his wife again because she's defiled. And, and that's an abomination to do that. So how does this work? So how does this whole picture come together? That God said he divorced Israel and uh, sendeth her out of his house, and that's it. And that's and most people say, well, that's that was that was it. You know, that's the end. But he then goes on to say, and if we go to Jeremiah two. And I'm just going to change versions. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, be difficult, but it just brings it out a little bit more. Uh, versions of the Bible that is. Uh, but in Jeremiah two two it says, "Go and say in the ears of Jerusalem, the Lord says, I still keep the memory of your kind heart when you were young, and your love when you became my bride, and how you went after me in the waste of sand, in an unplanted land." So consider this, that God is, he is reminiscing about his time with uh, Israel, the whole, the whole nation and how, uh, you know, how he, he remembered them when they were young and uh, the love when they became his bride and how they followed him. You know, he, he has that kind of a language when he's talking about this, this time frame. And one of the verses that God then gives his promise that he is going to do something about it. And one of those is in Hosea in 2.14. It says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, or basically take her back into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So look at this, uh, this process. God, uh, the children of Israel defiled themselves. They split into two nations. The Israel, the, the head of Israel, okay, is Ephraim. Ephraim is the firstborn. And God talks about Ephraim and how he loved Ephraim from its youth and, and, and helped him, you know, and now... Israel has done this, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They filed themselves and he's going to throw them out and cast them out. And here he starts again to speak that he is going to bring his, his bride back. Now, if you remember the law, remember the covenant, uh, the law that he divorced her. And so something legal has to happen in order for this to take place. There has to be a legal arrangement somehow to... God does not break his law. So how does this work? Because according to, uh, according to the law, that once a bill of divorcement has been made, uh, nothing can take place unless the husband die. Okay, and then it can happen. And I, you may be starting to see where I'm going with this, but just, just bear with me. You have to realize that God came to the point where he was just so sick and tired of this. And in Jeremiah 7, 15, it says, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast you out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. 
Therefore pray not for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Think of this intense anger. God is is so fed up, if you can say it that way, with what uh, the children of Israel had done here. Now here is the promise, and one of them, and I I will I will read this section. This is in the end of Jeremiah, Jeremiah thirty one six, and you literally have chapters of God. Uh, you can hear God's disappointment with with Israel, with the whole house, Judah is and uh, the house of Israel, and here he's talking about this end day. I mean, they're going to go out and they're going to forget who they were. They're not even going to know who they were anymore. And this brings us to Jeremiah 16, 14. And it says, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, from all the lands whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again into the land that I gave unto their fathers. And behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after this I'll send hunters, and they shall hunt them. And out of the holes of the rocks, for mine eyes are upon all thy ways, and they are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Now what now what does this mean? I, I, I want to understand there's maybe different opinions here, but when you say fishers, What's the first reference in the New Testament that we have? Jesus asked his disciples to become fishers of men. Now, I think it's ironic that he calls them to be fishers of men, and then he tells them to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because he's going to send fishers with this message. All right, and just look at what he says here. And first I will recompense their iniquity and their sin double because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable things. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity and things wherein there is no profit. And then shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods. Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, and I will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. And that, my friends, is where God promised that the Gentiles are going to receive this truth through. But how? Through the fishers and the hunters. Now, we will just go... Uh, into the New Testament. And I want you to understand that what God did in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was there and he had this cup. And this is maybe a different way to look at it, uh, what's going on. I'm not taking away with what we know was in the cup. I think the world's sin, I think all of it was there. But in, in the Old Testament, when there was adultery, uh, to discover whether the woman was uh, legitimate, like if, it, if the accusation was legitimate or not, she would take a cup and she would drink uh, this bitter water, if you will. I, I'm not exactly sure I could look up the reference, but there was, a, there was some she had to drink. And if, if she was innocent, it would do nothing to her. But if, it's, if, if she wasn't, then it would 
ultimately kill her. It would it would eat up her uh, basic learning size. She would she would more or less like blow up, and uh, she would die. And I, it's it's a thing of bitter waters. And I think that was also in the cup. And when Jesus died, he made possible legally to again be married to his bride. And his bride now is not just uh, not just Israel. It's anyone. It's anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Not only is it uh, Israel, I think the redemption of Israel was in that cup. And I think legally he made himself uh, to where he could then again do Israel. When I say Israel, I'm not talking necessarily Judah because he came. And Judah, it didn't say that Judah was was divorced. It said Israel, the house of Israel. And I, maybe there's a distinction there. I don't know. There's other verses we can discuss that. But but notice Israel. I mean, this was his beloved. This was his firstborn, uh, Ephraim. And God brought them back. And then he says they're going to be two sticks and they're going to come together in that day. And and I think what we are seeing in the lost tribes, it's a combination. I don't think most people recognize um, that there's many sides to something. I think one of the big problems that most people have in biblical truth is they look at something one-sided. God does things from many angles. And that's that's why there's such wisdom in what he does. He's not only just doing one side, okay? So he's not just, just saying from uh, doing it from one angle. He's, he does it from many. And I can give you an example. So um, Jesus came. Uh, he came and, and, okay, that's great. Son of God came. What did he come to do? He came to do different things. Obviously, he came to redeem us from the curse. He came to set the captives free. He came to heal the sick. He came to uh, yeah, cleanse the leper and open the eyes of the blind. There's so many things we could look at that, that Jesus came to do. There's many sides to his calling as Messiah, and uh, even in the Jewish thought, there's two type, there's two instances of Messiah. There's Messiah ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, and Mashiach ben David. And Messiah, uh, son of Joseph, obviously Jesus was the son of Joseph, but he's going to be coming back as the son of David, as the king of kings, because David's throne has been established in Jerusalem forever, according to what God said. And so his king who is the son of David, which is Jesus, is coming back to establish his throne. And that is the second coming. And when, when he comes, I believe the Jewish people are going to see the truth, but it's not just going to be the Jewish people. It's going to be believers, uh, believers of the way, the lost house of Israel will come together. And this is going to happen. And I've, uh, I'm seeing these, these rumblings in the world today. I, you, you hear the, the, the thing of Ephraim, you hear the thing of the lost tribes. Uh, this has been a topic for the last several hundred years, but more than ever in this day and age are we starting to see the resurgence of this. It so much so that even Jewish uh, scholars and rabbis are talking about um, this awakening in people, this uh, DNA that's coming alive. 
And people are all of a sudden, they, they've lost their identity. They don't know who they were from. They And the Bible says that that's going to happen. Ephraim's not going to remember who he was. But he's waking up the DNA, and people are recognizing they have a connection to Israel. They're not sure why. They don't really know why they love Israel. They say that, you know, the Jewish people are God's people and all that, but but there's more to it. And and the miracle of Israel being named Israel, not just uh, Judah, because the Jewish people represent that. All these miracles coming together, the coming together of the two sticks, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and, and, and the Bible saying that that many others will be joined unto the house of, of Ephraim or unto the house of Israel. And Gentiles. And all of this happening and coming together, and then you read what Romans 11 says, and then you see that mercy from believers is going to open the hearts of the Jewish people. And all of this coming together uh, from the bride, again, um, from Israel, opening that door again. You know, there was a legal precedent he needed Jesus, uh, I guess the way I understand it, he needed Jesus to to die not only to be the sin sacrifice, but also so that he could legally, um, again, marry himself to Israel, to the house of Israel, because he had divorced her. And they need to be grafted back in, and only that could come if the covenant was annulled, and that could only happen if one uh, executor of the covenant perished and that was Jesus he died for three days and then he rose again so all of a sudden that obligation has been fulfilled and now what a what what a tremendous uh, coming together and the thing I want to bring out more than anything in any of these subjects you know we can look at details and we can get carried away with little things and so often what's missing in most people's conversations on this matter is the reality of Jesus the reality of the coming of our Messiah, the coming of Jesus and the relationship that he has established for us, the beauty, the treasure, the, the, the a miracle uh, of, of what has happened in salvation. And, and that's what's missing. And I, I say all these things in the last three episodes, all of this to bring together the point that we are part of something much bigger. And as believers in Jesus, whether we are a part of the house of Israel, we are truly Gentiles. I believe it's going to be made known. But God had to legally establish a avenue by which he could save us. I, I think that is so fascinating that it's, it, it's not just that he decided, okay, that's it, now we're going to open it up. No, he had to legally establish precedence for why he could do what he could do. He wouldn't open up salvation to the Gentiles, but since the Jewish people rejected, in part, the Messiah, he had mercy on the Gentiles, just as he prophesied in the Old Testament. I read that verse earlier. And so the Gentiles would come in, then they would say, look, we've inherited lies and teach us. And it says that in that time, you know, they're going to go back to Judah and say, you're our fathers, teach us. There's so many things like this that I am seeing a picture of the bride of Christ, if we can say that together, being made up of so much more than just uh, w what we thought of as the bride of Christ. Yes, there's two covenant peoples. That God made a covenant with Israel, all of Israel. That includes the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And he made a covenant 
in which he would open up the door to the Gentiles. But this, it's one in this, it's a renewed covenant. It's one in the same. And the word for new covenant, actually in Hebrew, you can interpret it renewed. It's the same word, new or renewed. It's the same thing. And you want to look at what God is doing. He not only is going to do much greater salvation, what he did first. It's just like Paul said, what we have now is a better covenant built on better promises. It's a better covenant, better promises. We live by the promises that God gives. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the, and not only is it, uh, in the Old Testament, it was a law of the flesh. It was a law of commandments and laws. And it was a legal agreement. If you obey this, then I will be your God. It was a contract, if you will. It was a marriage contract. And the contract was broken by Israel and, and uh, by the, by Israel. And uh, this is something uh, that God then had to do something to reconcile because he's not done. Yes, he, he can't deal with who we are and, and the, the sinful nature we have and how we do that uh, without doing working around it. And how did he work around it? Through the Messiah. He made a way through Jesus. He uh, he fulfilled the law in who he was, in Yeshua. And Jesus says the two greatest commandments, number one, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. These, these two commandments. And then he says, in these two, hang all the law and the prophets. So all of the old law is about those two things, loving God, loving each other. That's it right there. What an exciting thing to recognize that the lost tribes is really uh, going to be one of the greatest show-and-tell demonstrations I believe that God is going to do in the last days. It's going to be astounding. It's going to be bewildering. It's going to be astonishing. And I think that we will see a coming forth and a revival, if you want to use that word, happening in 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 the world, and we're not going to understand. And 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 the secular people are going to be completely astonished, and they're going to know that the Lord, He is God, He is God, because only He could do this. And I think that's going to culminate in the time of the end when the Messiah comes back to His bride, the culmination. It all comes together. And I think that's what he's waiting on. He's waiting on the two sticks to come together. He's waiting on the house of Israel to wake up and recognize who they are, uh, the Ephraimites. He's, he's waiting for that. He's waiting for us to realize our spiritual heritage, number one, and our inheritance. And I think once that happens and we recognize it, he's coming back. That's where it's at. That's where the truth is at. So today I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be blessed. I want you to know that God has bigger things at work here, that what we see in the world today happens, and he has to use things to get people's attention. And he needs to wake people up. He needs to wake people in the church up. He needs to wake up the Jewish people. And we need to see what God is going to do in this world and not get lost up in little offenses and little things that, that, that blind us and keep our eyes from seeing the big picture. And uh, in the words of Paul, in Romans 11, 25 towards the end, 
this is his culmination of what he is basically saying the same thing uh, as what I have said. Just, of course, I'm expounding on it more. But for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. It's a going. It's a mystery. It just doesn't always all make sense to everyone. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is in part happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are the enemies for your sake, but in touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through unbelief, even so these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy on all. He wants everyone to have mercy and experience his mercy. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And, he, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, through him, and to him all are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And finally, in Revelation 22, the last chapter of the last book written in the Bible that we have, Jesus says this, And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, which is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Bless, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are the dogs, the sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolater, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify. Angel means messenger, to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And then Paul or uh, John writes, and the spirit and the bride, spirit, Holy Spirit, and the bride say, come. We say, come, Lord Jesus. And it says, and let him that hears say, come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Hear what God is wanting to do. Uh, there's going to be more sessions in which I discuss different aspects of it, but I want you to begin to see this picture coming together that God is not done with Israel and why we have such a draw to the land, why there's such a uh, focus of many of us uh, to the land of Israel, why God is wanting us to, to uh, focus and see what he is going to do because we have, a, um, we have been promised 
or it has been said, should I say this, and promised to us that we are again going to be part of that land. And I think that in the new, when, when Jesus comes and whether, whether uh, he sets up a kingdom on earth or however that all works, we are going to see the fulfillment of this. And I think the reality is God is going to bring it all to a close. He's going to bring all of us together. It's going to be a coming together. And I think the pressure is going to be for many to apostatize, for many to walk away from the faith, for many to, to see and, and not want to recognize what God is doing and what God is doing to draw us together. And it's going to turn people against people, brother against brother. It's going to be divisive. People are going to be offended. And people are going to be uh, uh, lost, if you will, through this. And God is going to, just as the parable said at the end, he has this great marriage that's about to take place. And he sent the invitations. And the guests said they were too busy. They, they have other things on their minds. He said, go into the highways and byways and bring them out. They are going, we're having a wedding and we are going to again be married, if you will, if I can say that again, but be married again to our God forever, this time forever, because it is his covenant. We are, uh, we, we are called the bride of Christ, but the marriage is yet to take place. And the fulfillment of that is when Mashiach ben David, the son of David comes back and will again be revealed as the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Jews, and he is going to uh, reveal himself then. And the first thing that takes place, wedding. Isn't that amazing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you his shalom.